Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we are finishing our look through the NHL division by division with the Pacific Division. As the regular season is just days away at this point, excitement's definitely building. Uh, looking forward to watching some real hockey again. And the Pacific Division should be interesting. Uh, there's some really good teams and then some say lottery teams just we'll say it that way so we get into this a little bit so i uh, appreciate you listening to this podcast it can be found on all major platforms searching max term podcast uh, if you have any questions thoughts on this episode want to follow along our work at afp analytics on twitter and if you are following us there you'll know when our new website glossary business glossary and statistics is live should be very soon as the regular season approaches. Business will be live first, and then we'll continue to add uh, kind of advanced stats and stuff like that, including uh, kind of models behind them. And that'll be a work in progress. If you have any thoughts, feedback on that, feel free to hit us up again at AFP Analytics on Twitter. You can find both of our personal accounts there. Happy to interact, happy to answer any questions. Just like every ep other episode we've been doing, we're going to reference some betting odds. I'm not going to give any credit to a sport book who is not paying us. So uh, we'll just say this is a popular sport book. And um, recommend if you are interested in betting, searching around, looking for the best best numbers to fit your needs. And on that same kind of line, if you are going to wager money, keep in mind that we are kind of stating our opinions. This is what we believe, what we might do. Um, but we're we're making wagers with our own money if we are, and we're making decisions because we feel confident enough in our own hockey ability, watching ability, stuff like that. But we're also feeling comfortable if we were to lose that money that we'll, we'll be okay so we recommend if you're listening and thinking about doing any betting to do the same don't bet money you're not uh, comfortable losing and any other things that you might hear ads promotions you might hear associated with this episode are not necessarily products that either of us are working with or endorsing and with that let's get into probably the well top of the lottery favorite san jose sharks I don't know what to say. Eric Carlson out for some pieces. Those pieces being Mike Hoffman, Mikel Granlund, probably the Sharks' best offseason addition who might be a little bit of an underrated guy. As we go through this episode, we'll try and maybe throw some underrated fantasy players there's not many guys on the Sharks that I would consider rostering on fantasy, but Anthony Duclair in, he might be one of the few because he's going to get plenty of opportunities looking at this forward group. Yeah, uh, he could very well be a first-line winger on this team. I I struggle to pick out, like, good things. Um, Thomas Hurdle, I guess. He's still a pretty solid player, but he's kind of by himself in San Jose. Um, looking at cap friendly, it appears Logan Couture is week to week. So he, he should be relatively healthy for most of the season, I think. But he's not what he once was. Um. 
you mentioned Granlund, Hoffman. That's concerning. They aren't players I necessarily want on my roster if I'm putting together an NHL team. I look at this forward group. I see William Eklund and Thomas Bordelov. Two young players, two rookies, two, I'll say, players who have top six potential. The Sharks, if they want to be relevant, kind of need them to come basically be close to superstar level right out of the gate. And I think that would be just not fair as far as expectations are concerned um not fair at all they should be good eventually I don't think they're going to be good enough to make much of a difference this year looking defensively I think each night in their lineup they're going to have six bottom pair defensemen at best for the most part um a few guys could maybe jump up to second pair on a good team and do pretty well. But uh, I think ideally they're all bottom pair. Again, at best, some guys should probably not be in the lineup. And I, uh, I don't think that they have a starting goaltender on their team. I think they have a couple backups in Capo Kakinen and Mackenzie Blackwood. Two guys who once were viewed as possibly being some good starters, I don't really think that's the case anymore. And uh, I kind of just went through their whole lineup. I think I think missing one one defenseman who might be interesting, Henry Thrun, um, rookie out of Harvard, signed at the end of yes. last season. I, I think he. I mean, he's. I like his comparable might be Adam Fox. Like he's, okay. he's got, he's got the potential. Mario Ferraro was good with Eric Carlson, but that's also playing with Eric Carlson. So yeah, we'll see exactly. what happens. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think Henry Thrun is, is someone to keep in level of eye on. Um, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I quite go and roster him in fantasy hockey, but he might get opportunities, especially as the season goes along. Um, Fabian Zetterlin is came back from New Jersey in the Timo Meyer trade. I don't know if I'm overly excited about him, but talking about young pieces that might be interesting to keep an eye on, I guess I'd throw him in maybe as well maybe i don't know quentin musty's situation he was this their first round pick this year he would he's really the only other guy in their organization that's still kind of around that i kind of am interested in like yeah i agree with you most of this lineup is going to be weak i think the concern from like looking at their point total which is set at 65 and a half um, I have two concerns with that. One, that number is already very low. Yeah. And and getting lower than that's something. And two, they have enough good enough veteran forwards who might score goals. 
Whether they're with the organization for the entire season remains to be a question, but Hoffman has scored goals in his career. Duclair has scored goals in his career. Hurdle and Couture are good players. Couture's maybe age might be catching up a little, but Thomas Hurdle's a first or really good second line center on most teams in the NHL. So there's enough talent there that, <laughs> and that low point total that I don't feel great. I probably lean under, but I really don't like betting teams finishing lower than 65 and a half points because not a lot of teams do that. Yeah. I think that's a very important point with this one is that's, that is bad. Um, so even though we walked through this lineup and we basically said other than a handful of rookies, this is going to be a pretty bad team. How bad is it actually going to get? And once we start kind of talking about that, it it gets less comfortable. So it, I'm kind of with you that 65 and a half, I would lean under, but... I could see them getting 67 and yeah, that would make sense looking at this roster. This isn't one I'm really confident in because even a 70 point season that that's bad. That's not a good team. So yeah, I, I I, I think I have a similar mindset of like, I, I would lean under, but not a confident bet. Let me say one last thing on San Jose here from where they are from a team building perspective, kind of in their timeline, they should be a team that we would actually feel comfortable saying under because they would benefit from really tearing it down. And the fact that we aren't comfortable saying under 65 and a half clear best odds in the lottery, I think the direction they're heading that's a little concerning and I think the hesitation is because some of those pieces that they took back in that Mikel Granlin or in that Eric Carlson trade, Mikel Granlin being the one of them, Mike Hoffman being the other, might push them, might keep them in contention for not getting the number one overall pick a little bit, or at least the number one overall odds a little bit longer than they should. And I think that that's a little bit of an issue from just a building and timeline perspective. Yeah, I, th I think they could definitely sell off some pieces here. At the same time, I would almost wonder, like, if, if they bring up a, a rookie or something, does that rookie provide similar value or similar impact to some of the guys that they'd end up shipping out? Um, tough to say. I, I think, yeah, they, they should kind of be that team that is tearing it down and come the deadline is getting even worse. So maybe we feel a little more comfortable about the under, but I, I do want to reiterate the point we both made of 65 and a half going under that is still like, even let's say they trade Mike Hoffman if he scores 20 goals before the deadline still being under 65 and a half is really bad. So 
I, I'm still hesitant with it, even acknowledging that they'll probably sell some pieces off. So San Jose, tough. I think them and Anaheim being in this division, there are some clear bottom teams, those two. Some and also some of the best teams potentially in the NHL are also in this division. So they're I guess when you look at it as a whole, the division they might get beat up in a little bit, but the Western Conference, if you miss their central division one, uh it's it's been available for a little while now. Go back and listen to that. We we not super high on a lot of those teams either. So the Western Conference as a whole, there might be an opportunity for some points. Pacific Divisions probably has some more strength at the top, so might balance it out a little bit. But San Jose and Anaheim are probably battling it out for the worst spot, last spot in the division. I think San Jose is a clear favorite, if you will, for that spot. Anaheim projected or odds 68 and a half. I haven't made a decision, but kind of starting to look through their lineup. I guess I still don't have a great decision. Forward group in Alex Kalorn was one of the big offseason additions, as well as other big offseason addition was on defense, Racco Gudis. So those two should help improve the lineup. Finally got Trevor Zegris figured out. Finally got Jamie Drysdale figured out contract-wise. Um, Leo Carlson might be making this roster right out of um, right off of being drafted. Bringing Ilya Labushkin from Buffalo, who was had flashes of being fine and as a defensive defenseman, like a bottom role. John Gibson in goal, Lucas Dostal, Alex Stalock could be good. That that trio could be good i don't i don't know mason mctavish is probably one of the players that you hope takes a step forward and propels them to a respectable point total this season but i don't know they're they're i can go back and forth maybe you can talk talk me into one direction or another here yeah so uh i want to reiterate we're looking at a 68 and a half uh over under I'm going to say over. And I think that is because um, I'm, I'm going to run through some names here. Trevor Zegras. I th- would hope he takes a step this year. Step forward. Um, he was pretty good. I don't think he was as good as the hype around him would make it seem. Um, but I think it's there. I think there's potential there for that. So that that's one player. Leo Carlson's another one rookie year. Obviously, he was just drafted. Um, we don't know that he's going to be good right away, but a higher draft pick, lots of skill. I think he'll at least be serviceable. Troy Terry, I want to point out as a fairly underrated winger because he's in Anaheim. Um, Very, very solid player. I don't know if he'll necessarily take a step forward because he was already very good. Um, But it's a player to highlight. You mentioned McTavish. 
decent first year, but you want to see a step forward. I think that you mentioned it, or at least hinted at it with San Jose, is some of the bad teams could find themselves accidentally being a little bit too good when they want to be bad. I see that with Anaheim. I think there's enough higher-end talent with the forwards. I'm concerned defensively, but I think you mentioned Gudis. Leobushkin on the bottom pair could help a little bit. It also could be bad. That's kind of up in the air. You want to see... One, a healthy year and a step forward from Jamie Drysdale. In goal, you're kind of unsure about Gibson, but if if I had the chance to have a conversation with John Gibson, I would pretty much say, hey, I get it. It's been terrible for the past handful of years. If you want out of here, you need to play well. I could see John Gibson having a pretty solid season eventually being shipped out at the deadline that that wouldn't shock me add in for the forward group Alex Kalorn that addition I think will be helpful both in an on ice capacity but also off the ice as kind of a, a leadership role someone who's won before won a cup before um this, to me, is the team that they want to be bad to get that high draft pick. I think they might be a little better on accident. They have some young players that could throw basically a wrench in that. Um, so we, we ran through a couple, and there's a couple names on defense that we haven't hit on I'm not sure exactly what's happening if they're going to be on the final if they're on the final roster or not. We're recording this a little bit before final cutdowns. The caveat there, so some of these guys may or may not be on the opening night roster. Pavel Mint- Mintikov and Owen Zellweger se- seem like both of them could be pushing for a spot. I mean, those are unknowns in Jackson Lacombe as well as it like there's three guy, three defensemen, plus even Drysdale, like I guess four guys that could be really good or could be disastrous. And if they come in and two, three, four of them are really good, like Anaheim suddenly kind of scary. Like if they have a blue line that's that can move the puck up ice attack keep pressure on with some of the forwards that they have like leo carlson i think good comp for him's leon dreisaitl dreisaitl came on pretty quickly and carlson could do the exact same thing so corn's gonna be out for probably a month or so at the start of the season but yeah i think i think i lean over i think they have enough young talent here um, to to maybe stumble into at least being that pesky team that doesn't quite go away. That's exactly what I I think I 
was really wanting to say here. Let's look at Anaheim and San Jose. I think teams could walk into San Jose and just steamroll right over them, and it's not going to be pretty. Anaheim, I think they aren't going to be such an easy team to beat. I think there will be nights where Zegras takes over or John Gibson has a flash of his old self elite goaltending play. Um, There's enough different things for this Anaheim team that could go right. I don't think they're all going to go right, but at 68 and a half, I personally, I would go over and I would actually, I, I could end up being wrong here, but I actually feel fairly comfortable about that because I, I just, I have trouble seeing none of those things going right. And I, I think that's really what would need to happen to fall under that 68 and a half. Yeah. Um, I think a little of our discussion earlier and in, in an earlier episode, the Atlantic division, Anaheim and Montreal seem similar teams to me is, is there's, there's the potential to just be pesky and sticking around. Um, I think also real quickly, I think I want to put on the record Anaheim. We haven't talked about Trevor Zegers contracts. We haven't talked about Jamie Drysdale contracts on this, on this podcast real quickly on the record. I think it's very important to say, I think Anaheim messed up those, those negotiations. I think that, their decisions this off season are going to come to back to bite them in three years. Um, Zegris. I, I just don't see a scenario. Like you're basically betting that he's going to get worse while you're putting more talent around him. I don't see how in the future you are. You're getting him cheaper or on a more reasonable contract than what you could have gotten this off season. Drysdale is a little bit of a different situation given the injury, but you walk, you gave him three years and you're going to walk him right into his prime. Um, I, I, we, we had talked about Anaheim earlier with their cap space and the te- from the team building standpoint, that episode has been available for a couple months at this point. Um, they needed to take advantage of the fact that they have cap space now and pony up a little bit more now to create savings down the road for some of these guys. And I think going hard is going to make a Zegras especially really want a bigger payday next time after he's proved it for three more years. So I think Anaheim really messed up this offseason. They had cap space to pay a premium, and they just did not do that, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I think that's really the most frustrating thing with them is it's not only that they weren't able or decided not to lock them in long-term, but it's, they had the resources right now to make it happen. It's not like, let's say a New York Rangers situation with Keandre Miller, where they're kind of just stuck. They have to go short term. It's not like a, it's not like a, I guess really just any team up against the cap. You look at Tampa Bay, um, Colorado, Toronto, these teams that are consistently spending either at the cap or above using LTIR. They had the resources to get those deals done, and we've talked about this plenty of times, and 
you need to go long term with your younger players because it sets you up perfectly for the future. You look at a team like Buffalo who got Dylan Cousins done as an example. That's going to be huge. Can use Buffalo again as an example for the negative Rasmus Dahlin. They went short term bridge with him and now they're kind of looking at a I don't want to say a rough contract situation, but what was once thought to be uh, easy, okay, this is going to get done, is kind of all of a sudden still sitting there saying, uh-oh, like he kind of has some leverage here to get big money short term. Like you mentioned, Zegris hopefully he takes a step forward and he's going to play himself into a great leverage situation uh looking for a lot more money and another factor here is the cap has not really increased recently and that's gonna start going up next year yes and i was about to bring that up if you didn't quick math here i projected maybe in three years when zegris is going to be up for another contract cap around 95 million that might be being conservative um if it right rate uh, goes up three to four million each year i think 95 million it's is is very reasonable his exact same cap hit percentage so basically if he is the exact same player so performs exactly the same for the next three years that's a 6.5 million dollar cap hit in three years and that's Probably actually him playing a little bit worse because his leverage is increased. He's closer to unrestricted free agency. So if he's just the same player in a couple, in two, three years when next it's time for another contract, he's probably looking at $7 million minimum. We projected him in the low to mid eights on an eight-year contract. So in our opinion, Anaheim could have probably say in three years probably would have at worst been paying him in 1.5 million premium at probably the absolute worst. I I'll, I'll pretty comfortably say he will either not finish out this three years with Anaheim. He'll get traded or they are going to have to give him some absurd 10, 11, 12 million dollar contract. I think those are the only two scenarios that happen as we approach year two and three of this contract. Yeah, I, I was going to follow up pretty much with that is at the end of these three years, if he does take this next step forward, which I think could even come this season, you're looking at a minimum of a $10 million contract. And I think that's being generous to Anaheim. It's probably a bit higher. And if you're and if Anaheim's playing played hardball now, there's going to be some hard feelings left over where Zegers is going to say, Okay, you held me down last time. Well, this new one where I've continued to show you that I'm really good, he, he's going to be going for the money. Um, and that's that's just another like that's an intangible thing in the negotiations where just it's just not a smart idea when you have the cap space to play hardball because you don't need to because the player down the road is going to look to recoup what they feel like they missed out on in our opinion he probably missed out on close to a million dollars a year so he's going to look to get that back down the road 
Yeah, and one last thing, I, I don't want to necessarily keep going down the rabbit hole here, but the NHL generally is not a very good league as far as marketing their players. Trevor Zegras right now might be the most marketable player. And he's, again, not one of the best. He's not top 10. I don't think he's top 20 yet. You have a marketable player, which I want to rephrase that and change it to, he is the face of your team. He's basically your franchise player tough to treat him the way you did and expect no hard feelings later on so I I guess we kind of summarize Zegris the same concepts can apply to Drysdale and his deal I, I that might not be seen as much of a uh, tense situation there um, because he is coming off an injury but same concepts of it would have been good to go long-term. Um, moving back to that over-under, too much could go right. I'm I'm over for Anaheim. Yeah, I'm over for Anaheim as well. Zegris, um, McTavish are two guys that I think I'd take a – I'd want potentially on my deeper fantasy team for sure. Um, yeah, I and Anaheim over. I think they. I think there's a lot that can go right, and I think that they're trying to, they're trying to be a little bit better. Like you don't go out and sign Kalorn and Gudis like you do if you're not trying to get better. And so I, I think they. I think they ultimately are a little bit better. Probably, probably over. Probably aren't comfortable, comfortably over. But I, I think they at least get into the seventy point range. Um, so shockingly in the Pacific, those two teams are very clear one and two at the bottom and then point projection wise, we get up to Vancouver at 89 and a half, which I'm kind of chuckling as I say this, like we're jumping 20 points to the next team. And I don't know. I, I think Anna or Vancouver has talent i i don't want to say that this is easy money under because it's not i just lean under because things in vancouver just haven't seemed to have gone right but maybe elias Pettersson playing for a new contract um quinn hughes having a strong healthy breakout season i guess they they shored up their defense a little bit. Carson Susie, Ian Cole, full year of Phil Peronek. Forward group could be good, but I don't know. And then I, I think it really all comes back to do they get a step back to where he was from Thatcher Demko? Do they get some adequate backup play from Casey DeSmith? Yeah, the goalies, that's a if I had to bet on how the goalies were going to perform, I would really prefer not to. I'd kind of want to stay away from it a little bit. Um, at the same time, when I look at this team, I kind of think that the goalies are solid enough that they're. that's not really where my worry is. My worry is defensively. Other than Quinn Hughes, I don't think that there's anyone on that defense that is really 
much better than that kind of second to third pair guy. I think Philip Hronick could be that. Um, ideally, I think he's a second pair player, which that might be what he ends up being for Vancouver. Um, I, I want to mention Quinn Hughes. You mentioned if he has a breakout season. He kind of did last year. Um, he was very good last year on a bad team. But to your point, I think there's another level he could get to, and that's really where the breakout could happen. Um, really offensively, I, I think there's another step. to. He was a point per game. I think he could exceed that a bit. Um, forward group, kind of concerning. Um there's some good names. I didn't realize Andre Kuzmenko had as good of a season as he did. Um, at the same time, there's a couple holes on this team, in my opinion at least. Um, feel like they could use a top six winger or two. Um, I don't love the center depth. I like Patterson. I'm a little iffy with JT Miller. He's very solid points-wise. I don't know if the all-around play is where you want it to be. Pia Suter is decent. I don't know if he's my ideal third-line guy. Teddy Bluger, kind of a decent defensive forward. It could be solid down the middle. It could be a little shaky. I'm a little concern there again don't love the wing depth Connor Garland is good I think but just hasn't seemed to work and I think that's where my last real point is going to be with Vancouver they've got some good names here some guys that could make you excited it just hasn't worked in Vancouver and I can name a bunch of different things that could go well but it keeps popping into my head. Is it just not going to work? I think one other forward that's to bring up Ilya Mikheyev um, is seems to be on pace to be healthy or at least playing games, if not at the start of the season, shortly thereafter. He's at least back practicing with the organization. So, He's a good, um, really second-line player, which I think that's what a lot of the wingers on Vancouver are. I, like, there's enough to get excited about. We use the, I use this analogy when we were talking about the Central with Nashville. Nashville wants, seems to be moving to wanting to be an offensive team, but their roster and kind of coaching staff philosophy, square peg, round hole. I think Vancouver's the opposite. I think bringing in Rick Tockett is you're looking to play a more structured defensive or counterattack style of play. And I think Vancouver needs to just let their horses run wild. I think they would have been great to have Andrew Burnett as their coach to try to play an offensive attacking style of game and try to just outscore opponents and hope that Thatcher Demko can come up with some big saves. I think that would have worked for the, uh, for what 
type of roster they have. But I don't think that's how they're going to play. I think they're going to try to play a defensive principles type game. And I don't know if that's going to work because defensively, they have maybe two guys that are suited for that style, and that's Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, who are pro- who's probably their third pair. So, I I think I that's that's my concern with with Vancouver. May, maybe they prove prove me wrong here and either play more offensive than I'm anticipating, or maybe the the style does fit their roster. But I lean under eighty nine and a half points. They're also there's the other teams in the division. I also think are better. So under points puts them where I think they're going to finish, anyways. So eighty nine and a half under for me. I don't feel super confident, but Vancouver just hasn't put it together, and it doesn't feel like they're any closer to doing so. Yeah, I, I'm under that eighty nine and a half as well, and yeah, it, it's definitely a. It's a situation where things weren't working, and I don't know if they really fixed what wasn't working. Um, and you kind of explain that with the style of play. I, I just I, it's the same team. I, I just I don't think they're gonna be deployed in the right way to really make up some ground and get to ninety points for the over here. Um, so yeah, I, I'm under as well. So next next team, I'm kind of surprised at where their point total is. Seattle Kraken, ninety and a half point at least from the sport book we pulled from. I pulled these odds from here. They have a wide range if you kind of shop around. I have another sport book that has them at ninety four and a half points. To me, that feels more realistic. This ninety and a half points. I feel I don't like saying there's easy money in betting, but I feel this is almost easy money with how that team finished the regular season. They have young talent that should take a step forward. Hopefully they stay healthy. I'm looking at like Yanni Gore, Jared McCann for that defense. Vince Dunn was really good last year. There could be even another step there. Um, Brian Dumlin, you and I don't hate as a depth defenseman by any means. I think the I think the question you had brought up in an episode we record this offseason is a net. Philip Grubauer is still their number one goalie. Um and then even behind him, Chris Dreiger, Joey Decord. That situation could be an issue and I think if I think if we're sitting here and pointing to a reason that Vancouver does not get finished where they should I think we're squarely looking at what happened in goal yeah so I'm pretty much with you I, I love the forward group here and all I can really see happening with it is some guys taking that next step so uh Matthew Beneers, and I, I, I want to say Shane Wright. We might get a chance to see like what he can do over a full season. He only played in eight games last year. The goalie situation, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I feel like I remember bringing up Seattle for Hellebuck 
um, back when we were doing some uh, fun trade ideas. That, I, I think if they want to be a serious cup contender, I, I think they're going to need a different goalie. Um, the rest of the team is there if they have a clear number one. Um, maybe they need to add a an extra defenseman, maybe a second pair guy to really allow some guys to shift to the third pair and flourish there. Um, but this roster is very good. It's, it's just the goaltending. Um, Grubauer, I think, showed flashes of being elite, but I'm just not confident in that carrying over into a full season. Um, Decord could be a good backup. We don't know from sample size that he actually will be. Um, so, yeah, goaltending is a big question mark here. Yeah, um, I think real. I think the question is, can they just basically come at with speed and make um, opponents uncomfortable, which is what we saw in the playoffs. They blitz. They blitz their way to um, a loss to the Dallas Stars, if I'm remembering the playoffs correctly. A seven, a game seven loss to the Dallas Stars, if if I my memory serves me correct. And yeah, they lost Dan Sprong there. And sure, that might hurt, but you mentioned Shane Wright. Ty Cartier uh, came into their organization and later in the season as well and just didn't stop scoring. With him being basically a point per game, half point per game player in the playoffs. So Seattle, Seattle is, is good, I think. I, goalie, goalie's a question mark. I feel pretty good about betting over 90 and a half points because I think they're a playoff team again and a playoff team is going to have over 90 and a half points. So moving on in the division, Calgary Flames is next 94 and a half points. There seems to be at least some better mentality coming out of the locker room with the coaching change and everything. Their roster's still fairly similar. We were expecting some more turnover. I think it's big that they were able to get Mikel Backlund locked up because that makes a statement that guys might be open to staying. But Calgary, I'm, I don't love I don't think I'd bet the over. I think I'm leaning under 94 and a half points for Calgary because I don't feel confident that what their lineup roster is at the start of the season is what it's going to be at the end of the season because I think some guys are getting shipped out. Noah Hannafin in particular and potentially Elias Lindholm. I just don't think the Flames can go past the deadline with those two players still on their roster if they don't have contracts signed with them. And I think it's also important to point out one of the players that they were maybe hoping for an an early impact from. Jacob Peltier is out long-term potentially for the season after after a serious shoulder injury. Um, I think... I think that's that's an unfortunate hit to their to their forward group. Matthew Coronado is probably the one 
the one big name to talk about as an addition, Yeager Sharangovich, I guess as well. But Coronado will be playing for a full full season with their with the Flames. Defense mostly unchanged. Goalies, it's going to be probably some level of trio of Markstrom, Vladar, and Dustin Wolf. And I don't know. I think they're they're probably going to be better because I think the kind of mentality and culture, I don't love using that word all the time, but I think in this situation it matters. And that locker room is going to be improved, and I think that's going to lead to better play, but I don't know if it's enough, especially with some guys potentially being shipped out. Yeah, where where that's tough is I wonder if Calgary gets to the point, it's close to the deadline, I, I think they'll be in it, in the race. Do they just look at it as, all right, we have Hannafin, we know he's not going to sign long-term when the season's over. Do they just view him as kind of, their own in-house rental, which I think teams have sort of done in the past where they, they know they're going to lose someone. It would be great to get value for them, but they're contending. They want to be as good as they possibly can be, and that means keeping that player and not getting value. It's weird to think about because when we started really all of our off-season uh, content, Calgary was a, a big team as far as like, all right, they're about to ship away some real key pieces and none of them want to be there anymore. And maybe some of them do. It, I, I think that's kind of a story to watch. I just, I don't know if they're going to be bad enough where they're willing to ship those guys out. Um, that said, I, I want to mention one more uh, younger player, a prospect that at some point maybe could make an impact. Connor Zari, uh, 2020 first-round pick for them. Um, so that that's a, a prospect to watch. He might not start right away with them, but during the season, a call-up. The goalie situation. I would expect Markstrom to... Maybe he doesn't get back to where he was as a top goaltender. I would expect him to be a little bit better than he was last year. Um, so I, I think there's some improvement there. And uh, Dan Vladar, some rumors here and there that he could be moved out. So there's a little bit more of a role for Dustin Wolf. But you've said multiple times um, throughout the past few episodes, and I, I've agreed with you, seems like teams are looking to do that uh really the three goalie uh throughout the season the three goalies and especially the teams that can uh move a goalie up and down waiver exempt like a Dustin Wolf so i don't think they're just trading Vladar to trade him i think they would really need to be paid pretty well to do so if i'm Calgary i keep that depth um, it, it's a very solid roster. I would expect more rebounds from players than declines from players. Um, that being said, 94 and a half. 
I don't know if I can go over. Um, but going under, I'm not real comfortable with. This is one that personally I stay away from um, because I, I could see either over or under happening and not at all be shocked. Yeah, um, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think this is where you make me do it. I probably go under, but probably smartly I might be staying away. Um, like, there... Dustin Wolf could come in and absolutely just steal games and dramatically. And as you said, Markstrom probably takes the at least rebounds a little bit, maybe with a lighter workload because they feel like they have guys that they can rotate through. I guess um, here, well, I'll give you one. I'll give you one take if you're listening and looking for some level of uh, fantasy betting advice. I'd uh, I'd be trying to roster Matt Coronado. Um especially in a slightly deeper league i that's that's a player that's probably going to score some goals put up some points on power play and five on five so if you're looking for uh maybe a later round guy to sneak on your roster matt coronado would be would be that guy for me he might kind of start in more of a third line minute uh capacity would not be shocking at all to see him lock down a top six role by mid-season yeah uh take them early stash them be patient don't panic but i think i think you i think as the season progresses he's going to be a guy that you're going to want on your fantasy team um moving on into the division we are into the top three la kings up next hundred and a half points i think eileen over the Kings seem to want to be going for it and having that mentality helps you feel a little bit better about where they're going to finish the season. They their big offseason addition was Pierre Luc Dubois. Bring him out. Um gave Lardy out Alex Iafalo out in that trade. Also shook up their defense a little bit with Jersey and um Walker being traded out and kind of cap clearing moves, retaining Vladislav Gavrikov long term. And oh, now they have Brant Clark and coming in to fill one of those roles, anyways, who's a highly touted prospect in his own right. I think the question with the Kings, and maybe the reason you don't feel a hundred percent confident with this over here is they're going to be relying on Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot in goal. The last team that relied on Cam Talbot in goal that came into the season with higher expectations, the Ottawa Senators, that did not go very well for them. And the LA Kings' backup plan is Phoenix Copley. Yeah, I struggle a little bit with this one. Um, because of this goalie situation, Phoenix Copley actually had a pretty solid year, but I think he's a backup. Cam Talbot at this point is a backup. When I looked at the Kings roster going into the offseason, there, there were some opportunities to improve here and there. 
But number one should have been finding your number one goalie. And they they didn't really just fail. They, I don't even think they didn't find a 1A. I'm not even sure they found a 1B. I think they just have a couple backups. Um, that is my concern, and I actually lean to under the 105 my other reasoning for that beyond the goaltending really the big move that they made was bringing in Dubois I don't know if that is really a net positive when they were subtracting Velarde and um I'm blanking on I follow um Dubois for Velarde and I follow if it is a net positive, I don't think it's by very much. Um, and I don't think it's at all enough to overlook that they don't have a goaltender. They have two backups. Um, I think this is a team that, let's say we see a matchup on... Uh, the Wednesday night rivalries of the Kings and the Ducks. We kind of talked about with Anaheim that they're not going to be the easiest team. They could steal some games. I could definitely see Anaheim taking some games from the Kings with their potential offense and two backup goalies on the Kings. It's an example. I I don't know that for sure, but I I just... I'm concerned enough that seeing the Kings get to 101 points, I don't know about that. I think I, I'd lean for the under here, personally. I'll, I'll push back a little on like the Dubois trade in, in particular and say the Kings have built up such a good prospect pool that even though that they did kind of trade two good roll depth pieces for one that they might have had the ability to do so because they have other guys that can step into the lineup hopefully I mean there's there's definitely some question marks maybe I'm just higher in general on some of their younger guys but Kopitar, Dubois, Fiala, Deneau, Kempe, Arvidsson, Trevor Moore, Quinton Byfield that's that's a pretty good forward group. Um, I mean, Kopitar is 36 years old. You hope he's still good. But, and then on defense, I mean, they're they're pretty solid there too. Dowdy had a bounce back year. Gavrikov seemed to be a good fit. Matt Roy's a solid kind of second pair defensive defenseman, if you will. Mikey Anderson's just got a nice long-term contract, so they have high hopes for him. I mean, it's, it comes down a little bit to Brant Clark and probably Jordan Spence being youth, younger guys. If those guys, I guess, play up to Spence has a level of sample of NHL games and he's been good. Clark is unknown but highly touted. If those guys provide something like they have six good defensemen. 
so maybe they can control things in front of the goalies like i this might this is probably a little hot a little bit too too spicy but taking away the goalies the kings might have one of the best rosters forward and defense in the nhl so i would say potentially my my issue is i i look at their forwards and defense i i think it's really good I don't see enough of a difference from last year. Um, to really overcome having two backup goalies, which, I mean, if we look around the league of trades that need to happen, they need to trade for a number one goalie. Um, that's right at the top of the list of obvious things that need to happen. Um, I just don't see enough of a difference, really, with the forward situation, with the defense situation, as making up for the lack of a goaltender. Um, and it, I want to be clear. I, th I think they're going to be a very good team. I think they are an obvious, clear playoff team. I just don't know if they get to 101 points. Yeah, I mean, the, the goalies... The goalies like could lose them enough games to put them under i think i think i we i think i'm still leaning over i don't think i'm confidently doing so i think i would feel okay with that saying they're gonna finish third in the division the kraken might be the the team that that jumps ahead of them um but i think the other two teams in the division should Finish one and two in some order. Next up, point projection wise, over under wise, Vegas Golden Knights one oh three and a half. I mean, their roster is basically what won the Stanley Cup. Not much movement there. They're going to roll Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson in goal. It seems like, fortunately, it seems like Robin Leonard's probably not coming back from injuries. Bring back Ivan Barbashev. Get Brett Howden done. I mean, what more can be said? The Stan the reigning Stanley Cup champs are bringing back basically their winning roster. Yeah, so you, you mentioned 103.5 as the over-under. I lean towards over. I don't want to say I'm confident. Um... And I'd probably stay away from it because of this. You, you mentioned this is basically their roster from winning the cup. Over the regular season, I'm not super confident in this roster. Um, to, to go above that 103.5, I should say. Um, there are some spots where I think either health or just level of play might not fit. So I'm going to point out Brett Howden possibly being a second-line winger. Um, that's a little concerning to me. Mark Stone, his health is a little concerning to me. At the end of the day, 
they're going to be one of the top teams. I just don't know if they get to that. So they would have to get to 104 for the over. I I don't know. And what, one more thing I want to throw out there that hopefully doesn't – I don't think this should be a hot take. I don't know if it is or not. Aiden Hill is a good goalie. I don't think people should be expecting the level of play that he had in the postseason to just be what he is throughout the regular season. Again, good goalie. I don't think he's that good over a full year. That being said, Logan Thompson's also a very good goalie, so I'm not concerned about their goalie situation, but some of the big positives that I think people might point to with Vegas might not be as big of a positive as they're thinking yeah I think that's fair I'm leaning over and I think I have one reason why and I think it's Jack Eichel in the playoffs showed that he was back and dominant and healthy he was not that in the regular season if and I think and I and I feel like there's there's reason to believe that the playoff performance is more where he could be because even though he was cleared medically with the neck injury, like that had to take some time to get back mentally, physically, just into game shape, fitting in a new organization, a new style of play and everything. I think Jack Eichel is going to take a step forward. He's someone that I would be looking to draft on my fantasy team. Um, and he, and I think that that can make up for some of those other question marks. I don't expect Mark Stone plays the full season by any means, but I think, I don't think that the Eichel, Marsha show, Barbashev playoff performance was a flash and kind of uh, anomaly. I think that that's very likely to continue and Vegas didn't have that last year, and they still finished right in this, right where the over-under is kind of set. If they can get a solid year out of a true top line, I think that they can hit the over. Um, and I, But I will agree, I think Hill, to an extent, is a question mark. Logan Thompson, if he can stay healthy, um. I think I think you're fine there. So like a 50-50 split between those guys is ideal. I think all that I lean over this year, but as you said, they don't they're a team that doesn't necessarily need to be over like over in the regular season because they can turn it on in the postseason when Mark Stone comes off long term injured reserve that he's gonna get put on by the around the trade deadline because his back's gonna flare up. Sorry, no no conspiracy <laughs> theory here or anything, but uh We'll, we'll see what happens there. It, like, it's one of those teams that are going to be there, so they don't necessarily have to be 100% full throttle all year long, and it's going to mean even if injuries don't really occur, it might mean Mark Stone gets some rest days where he just isn't playing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I lean under. I'm not confident in it, so I, I'd probably stay away from this one. Personally, one thing I do want to make sure I acknowledge that I think is a huge plus for Vegas that might not really be talked about enough, even though it should be. And I I guess I'll start with it. 
I think it's not talked about enough because it's not always how they deploy their lineup. But if they wanted to, I think they could have arguably the best center group in hockey because they could run Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Nicholas Roy. If they want to, they could spread those guys out and have four centers who are very, very good, arguably playing in a role that they are better than. Um, I don't know if that's how they'll run their lineup, but they have very strong depth up the middle that if there's injuries or if there's not injuries and they do want to spread it out, they could run four very tough lines, which is kind of what we saw from them in the playoffs. So even though I, I kind of went through this and I said I lean under, and I think I still do, I, I just wanted to point out that depth that they have at forward, specifically center. So I'm leaning over, James leaning under, but we both also might recommend avoiding it because I think right around 102, give or take a couple points, is probably a fair place to put them. Final team in the division is, I think, going to be a popular pick potentially for President's Trophy. The Edmonton Oilers over under 104.5. They have the arguably the two well they have the best player in the world and arguably the two best players in the world in mcdavid and dry um in connor brown who has history with mcdavid from juniors otherwise fairly unchanged which might be good might be bad i don't know i 104 and a half is their over under I probably lean over, but I'm not quite as high on them as a lot of other people are. I'm not thinking they're President's Trophy contender, but I also don't like betting against Connor McDavid either. So, so I'm gonna say I'm not thinking of them as a President's Trophy. I'm not really thinking President's Trophy for anyone in the Western Conference personally. That being said, I might lean over here, um, which is kind of crazy because you might think, well, wouldn't that put them in contention for the President's Trophy? I would say, well, go listen to the Atlantic Division and Metropolitan Division. Well, really the Metropolitan Division, and you'll see what I'm thinking. Um. But I lean over here. I'm going to give you a couple reasons. Specifically on defense, a couple reasons. Something that just was clicking really well for them, Ekholm. And they're going to have a full year of him. Number two, Evan Bouchard. I would be shocked if he doesn't take a step forward. And I, I'm going to actually add in a, a third thing here. With Ekholm there now, and Bouchard as really he should be a top defenseman on this team, arguably getting the most minutes on this team. It's going to, I think, have a positive impact on Darnell Nurse being able to have a slightly lesser role. And all of a sudden they have a top three that I'm actually pretty confident about. Forwards, I could kind of pick this apart lay out the good and the bad 
it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that's really all that really matters. I mean, Nugent Hopkins had an amazing year quietly because he's on the same team as those other two. I don't know if he'll do that again, but I don't know if he needs to again. You want Evander Kane to be healthy all year because if he is, he's a solid winger uh, to play with McDavid and play the same style, the quick pace. But it's the same forward group. The only thing I want to throw out there is you'd hope for a breakout year from Dylan Holloway. He was pretty quiet last year. He played in 51 games. He had nine points. Not great for a first-round pick. Would like to see some growth there and at least become a good offensive contributor on a third line there ideally pushes way into the top six it's a very similar team I think defensively they've improved for a full year my one concern goaltending which I do think Stuart Skinner is legit I don't know beyond him though if there's going to be issues and I lean towards saying there's going to be issues um I hope there isn't for Jack Campbell's sake. But that's kind of a big concern because I don't think Stuart Skinner is a put him out there for 60 games guy. I think there needs to be a tandem there. And that other half or other third that Campbell will be responsible for might not go so well. I I feel like it's not going to go quite as bad for Jack Campbell. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to live up to what he's being paid, but I think there's at least a little positive regression. Um, Another defenseman that I think I'm a little bit excited about and I that might take a step forward, Phil Broberg um, as well. Um, he, him getting more minutes. He was, he was kind of starting to come on a little bit during the playoffs um, again, I think their defense, I think you're spot on. Their defense is better because Ackholm's a big addition, but it also is, I think they have guys that m- might be able to play in more, in a more appropriate role now. Um, and I'm going to say, if you're playing fantasy hockey, um, Evan Bouchard, I've had to stop myself from drafting him every time. <laughs> that's that's how how high I am just to get a little diversity in case something happens but Evan Bouchard is going to be the quarterback of a historically good power play and he might actually make that power play better from what Tyson Berry was doing early last season uh so you need Evan Bouchard as as a defenseman and there are, I would say there are very few defensemen that are I would take higher in a fantasy draft and that might put up more points than Evan Bouchard for this upcoming year. So bank him on your team, take him. You can probably get him a little later than if you're savvy, but take him in a fantasy draft. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Um, I'm going to say Evan Bouchard doubles his point total from what he had 40 points. I think that's the most mild take I've ever heard. I think I'd be shocked well, if he doesn't get close to 80. The reason I say that is because I feel like no one's talking about off season or leading up to the season. I feel like it's just 
a very under the radar guy for some reason. So from a fantasy perspective, I, I would not personally be shocked to see that 80 points. But as far as everyone being aware that that is actually a possible thing, I, in that sense, I think it's a hot take. So if you're listening strictly for fantasy purposes, I think we've made it pretty clear. If Bouchard's there, take him. So Edmonton point-wise team performance, I lean over 104 and a half because I think because some other sports books have them more at 106 and a half. So I think just smart money is is over, um, and I think roster-wise they're good. Goalies a, goalies a little bit of a question mark, but they're 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 out to prove that they're legit and hopefully. Hopefully McDavid has another just phenomenal year and and I I would like to see maybe him be rewarded the deep playoff run for once because I think it's good for the sport. So over one oh four and a half, I don't think I I, I don't think either of us are betting on president's trophy because there are I think a couple question marks. They're not quite as good as some of the teams in the East, but that's where we kind of see them in the in the Pacific division. I think they finished first in that division as well. I, I don't think that that's a stretch to say. So um, that concludes our wrap up, um, our wrap around look around uh, the NHL finishing up the Western conference Pacific division, particularly two of the worst teams in the league might resign the Pacific division and also maybe one of the best in the Oilers. So interesting division, um, interesting kind of point totals as well with, Vancouver being the third worst point projection wise and yet being projected for almost 90 points at least by Vegas odds so interesting division unfortunately we don't probably get to watch them as much being uh, us being based on the east coast it's a little bit harder to stay up for those late games but it's too bad because there's some exciting players out there so uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode uh, p- please subscribe if you're inclined Max Term Podcast on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at AFP Analytics. And uh, with that, we'll talk to you next time.